Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And 2001 A Space Odyssey, where we've pretty much reached the the apex of cinema. So we are staying in the science fiction genre. I'm, of course, Tony Black, uh, host of Black Hole Cinema, which is a spin-off for. And um, today, um, talking, as I say, about a science fiction film still, is uh, one of my old, my oldest and best friends, Mr. Matt Layden. Hello, hello. Welcome uh, back to the, uh, to the show. This is your first Black Hole classic. And why don't you talk? Why don't you tell us what film we're going to be talking about? I'm going to be talking about Demolition. No, I'm not. I'm going to be talking about Blade Runner. I need your deck. This is a bad one. The worst yet. There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants, three male, three female. They slaughtered. 20 a Blade Runner's job is to hunt down replicants, manufactured humans you can't tell from the real thing. What's this? Roy Batty, probably the leader. There was just one outfit making replicants that superhuman. The Terrell Corporation. Mr. Deckard, Dr. Eldon Terrell. I don't get it, Tyrell. Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto. I was looking for six replicants in a city of 106 million people. You ever see this girl, huh? Never seen a buzzer. What I didn't know was they were looking for me. Blade Runner. Not Demolition Man, as you're about to say, which, as everyone knows, as, and I say everyone, us two, knows <laughs> is your favourite movie of all time. Blade Runner, which is the 1982 recognised classic of science fiction cinema. Well, 82, 2007, 1999, well, 92. We'll, well, we'll get on to that. Because, yeah, you're, uh, you're absolutely <laughs> right. But the original film, which was uh, directed by Ridley Scott, 
was from the novel called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Which, as you'll probably agree, isn't quite the catchiest title for I think it's an amazing title, but then again, this is me. This is Labour. Uh, yes. But it is a great title, but it would have been a little bit hard to market. Blade Runner, which was um, based on the rights, actually, for a, a William um, Burroughs novel, which was bought by the producers of Blade Runner, so they could use it as in, the, in, the, uh, in the actual film. But it is naturally the, the title of the book, written by Philip K. Dick, and obviously starring Harrison Ford as Rick Deckard, who uh, is a... Blade Runner. He's the, he's the Blade Runner. He's like, he's like a gumshoe in, the, yes, yeah, in yeah. the future. So it's a very, very stylized film. It's a very interesting film. I have my own opinions on it, which I will get to later. But firstly, why, Bladen, is this a classic? It's a, a retroactively recognised classic. I believe it wasn't actually a big... It wasn't a big success when it first came out. It, but it was probably one of the first films to perhaps successfully combine science fiction with another genre genre that you probably would not have known. I mean, it wouldn't be the first film that combined two genres. I mean, I think Star Wars was... Um, it's basically an adventure novel with a different setting. Epic fantasy. Yes, exactly. It's Lord, it's, it's Lord of the Rings, but in space. What in Blade Runner, you have the 1940s hard-boiled detective story um, alongside a near-futuristic science fiction landscape. And it combines it quite well, even particularly coming off the back of, I think, Star Wars, which was very bright and family-friendly, I think the Star Trek movies in 82. How many Star Trek films were there? In that was Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan was 82. So there's been, been the motion picture beforehand, which was much more of a, much more akin to something like Blade Runner because it was slower and it was much more um, a meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was, it was only later on that they started becoming more epic yeah. adventure films. Admittedly, you did have Star Wars, which came out before Blade Runner, but they're very different kind of science fiction. It has a very original, well, like a very original um, tone in it into, for a science fiction film. Um, it feels probably less, it feels less a, a sci-fi film and more a detective story with sci-fi bits in it. It's more concerned about humanity than technology. Well, actually, the main, one of the main themes of the whole film is the balance between humanity and technology. Mm-hmm. And I think at the time it was probably... It was just before that question was really beginning to arise. I think later you'd have more 80s science fiction films that would start to have uh, questions about artificial intelligence and technology, humanity, etc., etc., which I think only really was a main focus in 2001. Yeah, and I don't think there's... Uh, it was probably the, one of the first major films to emphasise that as a theme. Well, yeah, and then we discussed this with Owen Hughes yeah, yeah. last time, which was... Which was about how being this, you know, the ne- almost the next evolution of, of technology. So, yeah, a, a film like Blade Runner is going to have some elements. I mean, very few films after two thousand and one didn't take a cue from it. I think in terms of science fiction, really, in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, it influenced the entire genre. But yeah, you, you're right in terms of the noir. Yeah. is the main the main yeah. aspect, the femme fatale, the the dark sim- yeah. cinematography, but, the mood of it. Yeah, and it, and it builds up and it builds up this um, question about. Well, humanity versus technology. In that, the your usual villain, well, the villains of the film are basically artificial intelligence who 
want more life. They they're gonna they have a, like a set life. They're gonna they're gonna pretty, pretty much switch off permanent switch off permanently after four or five years. They're the replicants. Um, yeah, the they? replicants. Yeah, um, Ruka Daryl Hannah, Joanna Cassidy, led by Ruka Hewa. Their quest is to basically find their creator and ask for more life. There's a very interesting question here in terms of the human characters that we as well as humans we can't go and find our creator to ask for more life because everyone's got a limited lifespan whereas these replicants they they do have perhaps have the opportunity to ask for more life but then don't want to i mean i remember reading something years and years ago about the fact that te- all that the replicants really want is to have more life they're, they're only seeking life they're not exactly villains as such, I mean, their only crime is that they're artificially created, and Harrison Ford is pretty much tracking down these and is killing them just for being who they are. But I mean, well, yeah, they did escape. They did escape from where they should have been. But their only real crime is being artificial. Is existing. Yeah, existing. I mean, I don't think the film doesn't go too in depth in it but there's it's there and there's been loads of stuff on it but the que- but the very interesting question throughout is if someone had the power to extend the life of someone could you do it who has control over life and death if there is a desire if there is a divine being that gives us life or controls life everything um do they have the ability to is it right for them to be able to say, yes, we're going to give you more life, or no, we're going to kill you now, we're going to kill you? Because Tyrell, who creates the replicants, Deckard and Gaff, or the other Blade Runners, they're effectively playing God, and you saying that in that your crime is this, and you can't really do, you can't really go around being who you are. You're just going to have to get killed. And there's a, and there's a very, very, one of my, one of many favourite scenes. Um, not my all-time favourite, I'll get to that in a sec, where I think it's Sephira, that's Sahira. Uh, it's Joanna Cassidy's character, I can never remember her name properly, is pretty much chased down the street and then just shot through glass, and like Deckard shoots from the back, and she just falls down, and I think the only, and the only crime she really did, she didn't really do anything, I think, in the film, and Deckard pretty much just hunts her down, shoots her, and just leaves her there. And... Mm. It's quite a, quite a powerful, quite a powerful scene. And okay, in turn, prophecy in the eighties, like yep, the the good guys fight, found one of the evil replicants and they've killed him. But when you watch it, but when you look back at it, it is pretty much an execution. Mm. It's an execution, and for no real good reason. Well, I I, I joked earlier about you know the title "Dangerous Dreamer Electric Sheep," but the title itself is is very interesting because it, it's asking this idea: Do these creatures that have been effectively these creatures, these machines who've been created? Do they do they dream? And the very essence of dreaming is consciousness. Is you know thought. It's it's a very human soul kind mm-hmm. of religious idea. And you know, the question is, do they do they go through that same process? And I think that's at the heart of what um, Philip K. Dick's trying to get at yeah. with his book and with and with and, and Ridley Scott with his film. In that you you know it's the question of what you know what makes them human, what makes humanity, and. You know, it is that whole thing with technology, and it's become more. It's probably become even more prescient these days. This kind of film, because you're talking, we're, t- we're entering in an age now where AI is 
he's on the rise. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got these robots being built in Japan that can that can do all kinds of things. It's not massively. There's a video I think, um, they try to get walking robots, and there's a very funny montage of them falling over. So they haven't fully cracked it just yet. But we're but we're at the beginning. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, within within the next. I mean, look at how the technology advances. You know, ten years ago, nobody. You said an iPhone to somebody, they would have gone, "What's that?" Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a case of, and we all use them. So in in 2025, who's to say we won't have the first kind of you know AI or at least a certain robot that is indistinguishable from a human? So yeah, Depen it's, depends. Depends. Kind of prescient yeah. kind of film. Yeah, it probably depends how sentient Siri's going to get. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if they upload Siri into a, a robot I, bod. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, call, I'm calling this now. In about 2026, you're going to have Cortina and you're going to have Siri in sort of Ultron and. Uh, Jarvis kind of death match. Yeah, and then the winner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It becomes Skynet. Yeah. You know, and we all die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's, it's, got, it's carrying a lot of things behind it, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of a, of a production perspective, then, I mean, thematically, we've got all that. But in terms of the production and the way it's shot and the way it looks and... Uh, and everything. What? Uh, why? Why is? Why does it have that classic status? Why do people revere it? Because it didn't. It wasn't revered at the beginning. It became a cult hit that has steadily become more beloved over time. I think the cinematography in itself has has offered itself a very unique. It's not neo punk. It's more neo noir. Mm, it's mm. Uh, nothing really punky about it. But it's cyberpunk, it's, though, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it's cyberpunk. A more realistic approach to cyberpunk. The the opening shot of the police spinner going across LA. There's there's like that shot of the Japanese woman eating that menthol sweet on the side of the wall, on the side of that video wall, um, which I think is very much an iconic shot. There's again the, the sequence going through when she, when um, Severi gets shot, um, going through the glass, um, the smoky atmosphere, the very low lit apartments, the very contrasting. Like when you first go into the Tyrell Corporation and then 
Rachel appears and it's Sean Young just looking very like a, a stick with a white circle on it. Um, it's very stark, very interesting cinematography and the the shot the, there's the famous picture of Harrison Ford dangling off the edge of that building with mm. one hand with one injured hand. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you remember Skyfall, but there's a scene where Bond fights a, a guy on a Shanghai rooftop mm-hmm. that's very Blade Runner esque, and then the, yeah, he's hanging from the the edge of a window, and that, it, again, that's exactly the kind of legacy that yeah. if Sam Mendes wasn't thinking of Blade Runner at that point. I'd be stunned. I mean, I mean that picture. I mean. That picture it appears, probably appears in a lot of magazines. That picture of Harrison Ford, and if there's ever a, a, an article on Blade Runner or if it's mentioned, it's probably that picture mm. that's shown. I, incidentally, I have to talk about that that climax where he's pretty much battling Batty, um, played by Rutger Hauer, is one of the best climaxes to a film. It's not action packed. It's more or less. It's more a scrap in the rain, more than anything. But it then kind it then leads to. Rutger Hauer's character just dying and giving perhaps one of my favourite lines dialogue in movie history, where it's like, I've seen some moonbeams over the Orion sector, blah, blah, blah. All these moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. Time to die. And then just throws that white dove into the air. I'm pretty sure yeah. all, that pretend- all that pretentious white dove stuff... Um, I'm pretty sure John Woo probably nicked it as well. <laughs> I was about to say. Yeah, John yeah. Woo probably nicked it from her. But it, it's it's that line where it... With, and he was on about the whole thing about can artificial intelligence be able to think on its own or generate sub, a subconscious. That moment, in the, that moment in the film builds that idea that this artificial intelligence, this rep- replicant, is going to miss. Has, has seen these images, remembered them, and looks back on them fondly, and that vanishes as soon as it dies, which again is a very human thing. There's probably things mm. that that mem- people have memories that are very unique to them, mm. which unfortunately will get lost once we we inevitably pass away. It's it's a human thing, and it's probably one of the more human. It's probably the most human element in that film comes from one of the artificially te- artificially created characters. Mm. And it's and it's it's one of it's probably one of the best felt moments in film ever. Interestingly enough, um, Roy Batty, um, obviously played by Rutger Hauer, he was the only character, the only, certainly the only lead, I think, who was a shoo-in for the part. Rutger Hauer, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Was, he, he was he was the first choice. So and then beyond that, there was a lot of questioning as to who played, especially Deckard. There was a lot, there was a lot of people lined up for that, chiefly. Um, uh, Dustin Hoffman, who was talking about it for for ages, they they modelled him on Robert Mitchum, and I think originally they thought about it kind of a Robert Robert Mitchum, but he was getting on by then. But you had loads of actors like Gene Hackman, Sean Connery, Jack Nicholson, Paul Newman, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Al Pacino, Burt Reynolds, even Arnie was considered for Deckard. <laughs> Get replicated, <laughs> replicant, bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, you had It's time to run. Run their blade. And also, interestingly You know what? Enough, I really wish it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. That would have been amazing. That would be. Somebody ought to recut that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Harrison Ford and, and Ridley Scott really did not get on yeah. in, in the making of this. And when they re, when there was infamously the director's cut in 1992, which added narration, and 
Harrison Ford has gone on the record as saying that he he was dragged kicking and screaming to the recording studio. I th- I think I think the first because I remember the first time I watched it was a video was a video of the direct of the director's cut. Um, I think we we were staying in a as a, me and my mum and my sister were staying in this like guest house, and I can't remember where. And there was like a box full of these films, um, mm. just videos to watch, and one of them was Blade Runner. And I think we watched it, and I can remember. I can do remember watching it with the narration, and I think it's probably the only time I ever watched it. I've got the, I do mean to go and rewatch it because I've got the box set, added box set for, which has about or four or five versions of it in the, yeah. like the tin, in the tin that like that I've got, and I think but I only really watched the final cut because the final cuts, the final cuts, the definite version for me because I think they've cleaned it up a bit. They they brought back um, Joanna Cassidy and reshot the the mm. scene for the glass. Because you, because you can kind of tell, you can see the stunt double in the original. Yeah. You can see the stunt double in the original, and they got um, Harrison Ford's son and shot him from behind to pretend that it's his dad and stuff. And yeah, I think the director's cut. I was trying to market it again uh, to try and get more people to watch it, and mm. I don't think it really worked. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it was. Yeah, there was a lot of people who didn't like that. And I could say Harrison Ford was among them, and he was very vociferous about the fact that he really begrudged having to go in and do that narration, which he, which he thought he really didn't like at all. And, he liked, you know, so there was, it wasn't the easiest filming uh, experience. And those two, him and Ridley Scott, have since patched it up, and they can talk quite freely about it. But then, yeah, there was a lot of cuts to it. So, But it, the response to it was very interesting at the time, because it wasn't beloved immediately. And personally... I didn't like it the first time I watched it, and, and I haven't rewatched it yet because I I'm pretty. I'm shaking his head at this point. I'm pretty sure. Wrong. No, I'm, well, I'm pretty sure that I will I will watch it again and I will get more out of it because I think partly I watched it at the wrong time, partly, and I'm very much the kind of person you know, I will I will hold, freely admit that there are some times you can watch <clears> something that's great, but you don't realise it first time round, and I, I hold my hands up with that. So I'm hoping that next time I experience Blade Runner, I'm going to get it. Yeah. To be fair, I had the same reaction watching Tron. I, I didn't like Tron when I watched it, but I, the first time I watched it was about four four years ago. Yeah. I mean, but, well, I'd agree. I think Tron's very overrated, but it's yeah. It, it, you, there are certain films like that, but I think you know, Blade Runner's been um, the way I look at it is if 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 the majority of people are saying that something is a classic and it gets recognised as a classic and it builds in expectation, nine times out of ten, the people who go it's rubbish are wrong. Yeah. They are wrong, you know, on a, on a technical level. If the masses, the masses are usually right on things like yeah, this. They like, are. But, uh, but yeah, it was it more, it, lots of people have said how, how brilliant a film this is. And of course, let, let's, but let's wrap this up with a little discussion about what could be considered, or if, if these days the way it had been filmed would probably have been some kind of twist ending, but it's left as more of an ambiguous ending involving Deckard. Now, spoilers, uh, a spoiler warning if you haven't seen the film. But what do you make of that? What's your opinion on, on Deckard? Is he a replicant or is he? It's, it's very interesting because I, cause you don't really think of the question um, that much when you're actually watching it. Mm. And you, when you try and think about it, there's, I think the original cut or the Ridley Scott version of the cut, the final cut, because it ends with the downbeat ending of him going off with Rachel. Uh, just beforehand, he finds this little paper-folded up version of a unicorn that Gaff, played by Edward James Olmos, is, is left in his off, in his house or apartment. Um, and earlier in the film, there's that whole unicorn dream that he has when he falls asleep at his, at his desk at home. I've always gone back and forth on this, but I think, and I, I think Harrison Ford um, 
has quote been quoted on this as well is that I firm I prefer to think that Deckard is a human and to f- there's not, there's not much evidence to confirm that well in the film but because there's not much evidence to confirm otherwise mm. you're just assuming he's human because you have to really read into into it to get that whole woozy replicant type thing because I think the whole nature of the film itself is are humans allowed to choose life and death mm. for pe- for people who just want life who they just want more life because they they haven't been given enough time to live it well, it'll be interesting. I mean, we may end up getting confirmation on this because um, there's a sequel in the works with, by Dennis Villeneuve, who did, in fact, very good director actually, did Enemy and Prisoners. So that I'm very excited about him coming back to this world with Ridley Scott's producer. But and apparently Harrison Ford is coming back as Deckard, but not for a main role, just to support him. So let's hope, though, let's hope that we don't get confirmation either way because it would be. Well, if he's still alive, then assuming he's human, I mean, the De- Lithgans would only have what so much. Well, Unless he's like a replicant built to fight or a replicant. So we may get it by default, the answer. I, d- I, don't, part, I don't know. Is that, I, part of me's excited, part of me's not. I'm, I'm someone who does an automatic... I'm, I don't automatically go, oh, it's going to be crap. Why are they remaking this? Why are they brought mm. back a sequel? Mm. Because you might not... As, as someone who's perhaps more in tune with the television model of stuff, I have always believed that you, if there's a story they want to tell involving mm. similar c- characters before then you should always have the opportunity to expand on that and expand on the world. And I think the universe of Blade Runner has a few more stories in it that I think would work well. It's just whether it's going to be well made. Okay, you can say it probably won't match the, the level of the original. Probably more successful commercially than the original was at its mm. time. But people yeah, going in saying, really. but people going to go in and hate watch it for no reason. But mm. I don't know. I'm Part of me is kind of excited. I, don't, I think it'll be, I'm going to have to wait and see how much more stuff's been revealed later on, see a trailer, etc., etc. It'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, yeah, if you haven't seen Blade Runner, do go and check that out. It's, uh, it, it is a classic. I will revisit it myself soon. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much, uh, Layden, for talking about Blade Runner. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. See you next time. See ya. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.